Let's go back to James chapter 1. I don't know about you, but I missed James last week, but I enjoyed preaching on America. And our only hope is, of course, revival. But I just uh, like going verse by verse, and chapter by chapter, the book of James on Sunday morning. Never did this for many, many years. I'd always think that you shouldn't do series on Sunday morning, and then the Lord convicted me we need to preach the Bible and let the Bible speak. Amen? Praise the Lord. Our missionary of the week is uh, Brother uh, Keith Shoemaker. I almost said Eddie. Uh, Brother Keith Shoemaker, he's been in um, uh, West Africa for many, many years now, and what a great letter is on the back of your bulletin. You ought to read it about him digging water uh, wells and finding the water of life, and many people have been saved because he brings water to villages, and he's a preacher. I'll tell you something, he's about six foot seven. Uh, Jason went to uh, college with him down at, uh, and played basketball with him some, and uh, he's out of Billy Goosby's church in Rome, Georgia. This is an old country boy, but I'm going to tell you something, he is building a great work for God. And speaking of that work, uh, i got two of my grandchildren that are going to be with him Wednesday, and uh, Vision Baptist Church is having their um, mission trip for the summer. They'll be there, uh, they're leaving Wednesday, and I just... Uh, told Chase and uh, Emily that we'd be praying for them. Then also pray for uh, Trent. He's got to chaperone that trip. And he's leaving Stephanie at home. And I, I heard her the other day uh, whispering to uh, Mom that it'd be a great week to go shopping all week. And I thought, oh, Lord, Trent, don't go on no more mission trips, amen? And so they're playing this big getaway. I mean, I, I, they're going to go to some place called Ikea or Ikea, I don't know where. They, they plan this big old shopping trip while Trent's out of town. But guess what? I'm not out of town. Amen? I'm going with them. No, not really. Amen. But mission trip, nothing like it. How many of you ever been on a mission trip? Raise your hand. It'll change your life. And in two years, we're going to be in South Africa, Lord willing. I'm planning on that, saving money, and uh, I hope you'll go with me. We're going to have a great time in South Africa. That'll be our next mission trip. Uh, and Lord willing, we might have one before then. Amen. So uh, it'll change your life and you ought to go on the mission field and we'll have fundraisers to help you with expense, but uh, start saving your money. Amen. Eat one hamburger a day instead of three. And you'll be there. Okay. Amen. Get a little personal. All right. James chapter one. James chapter one. I want to preach a message entitled Pure Religion. Uh, a lot of people, they use that term very lightly and very flippantly, and it's really superficial because if you don't have a relationship, you don't have much religion. Amen. You can be religious and lost. Yes. You can be a Baptist and go to hell. Right. And you sure can be a lot of other things that's not biblical and go straight to hell. And folks, I'll tell you what, religion will not save you. It's proved in Matthew 7. Did not we preach in your name? Did we not do many wonderful works in your name? Did we even heal in your name? And he said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. And then he compares it like a foolish man building his house upon the sand. There's no foundation to religion without a relationship. And so I want to ask you a question. Do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And you know if you die today, you go to heaven. And you won't do it by just joining the church. Or being a Catholic. Or being a Methodist. Or being, Brother Randy, Episcopalian. That's an that's a in-church joke. I'll just go ahead and tell you. We were, we were fighting liquor at the, at the uh, 
courthouse, and they asked if anybody in the county, which he didn't belong to, in the county would like to say something. Brother Ian said, I sure would. And he called the Episcopalians, Whiskopalians, if they believed in if they believed in having liquor in Dalton. I told him he was a member of 11th Avenue Baptist Church, and I went on. Amen. Praise God. Anyway, James chapter 1. Let's read verses 26. Uh, I tell you, well, let's back up. Since it's been so long, been a week off. Chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 22, through the end of the chapter. And I hope I'll finish it this morning because i got another message burning on my heart about follow-up tonight. Let's stand on the Word of God, please. But be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. There's a key word, deceiving your own selves. If any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. That means you get over the service time you leave it. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain, or is vain. Pure religion, and undefiled before God, and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. You may be seated as I pray, Father, thank you for pure religion. God, thank you for a religion that practices the Word, and God that is faithful and is an outward expression of an inward relationship of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. God, more religion is not going to save this nation. It's not going to save this, these families. It's not going to help the next generation. Matter of fact, religion without a relationship is going to make them miserable. So God, deliver us. And help us to see the perfect law of liberty sets us free, not to do what we want to do, but to do what you want us to do. So God, give us pure religion. Help us to practice what we preach. Help us to walk the walk and not just talk the talk. God forbid that we'd be a stumbling block to the lost. God, help us to be a stepping stone. And Lord, help us to be the best Christian that someone knows. We'll praise you for what you do in our lives through your word and by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's one thing to have a relationship, and it's another thing to have a, a religion. A lot of people are religious, but they're lost. And I want to tell you something. One of the hardest peoples to witness to and to get lost is religious people. They think they're saved because their mother had them baptized when they were a baby. Now, baptism doesn't save you. Works does not save you. Law does not save you. Law will make you miserable without the grace of God. Thank you for that song, Trimble, Trumbles, Trumbles. Trumbles, that was great. Amen? And uh, thank you for the playing the piano, Miss Debbie. But I want to tell you something, folks. God help us to be delivered from a religion, but God help us to be religious because we have a relationship. I religiously read my Bible, not to get saved. I religiously try to be here at church. It'd be a good thing for the preacher to show up faithful. Say amen. If I came once in a while, y'all would not let me be pastor.
but I'll come because I want to. I was thinking about the other day, I preached over 8,000 messages in this, in this room. It was facing the other way for a while. And that's a lot of messages. But you know something? I'm enjoying preaching more than I ever have before because I have a relationship with the one that I'm preaching for. See, I'm not hired by you. I'm sent by God. And uh, thank God for you helping me uh, in my ministry, or I couldn't do it without you. But I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, I answer to God. I answer to God for every message, for everything I do. And so I want you to see how to have pure religion. This is probably a two-part message, so don't get excited. But I want you to see, first of all, if you have pure religion, there's some examination. Look at verse 23. It says, For if any of you be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Now that's another word in the King James language for mirror. And then it goes on to say in verse 24, For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what matter of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You want to be blessed? You want to be happy? Religion will not make you happy. Matter of fact, religion will make you miserable. Because religious people are usually pharisaical. You, I keep the law better than you keep the law. I do this better than you do this. And I have this rule and this rule and this regulation. And folks, I want to tell you something, folks. We're not saved by rules and regulations. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? But I do believe that the Christian life ought to be disciplined. I believe we ought to look different, act different, talk different, walk different. Amen? I believe that God makes a difference in our life. And some people get upset when a preacher preaches standards and when a preacher preaches against sin. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. The best friend you'll ever have is someone that will tell you what sin is and tell you that there is a stumbling block in your life and it's causing people to look at you different than they should look at you or lust or whatever. And so, folks, the best friend we ever have is a, is a preacher and a teacher that will preach, Thus saith the word, whether you like it or not. Because tell you what, after a while, whether you like it or not, if you examine yourself, God will help you be more like Jesus. And that's the only time you're going to be happy as a Christian. Not more like the preacher, not more like the priest, not more like some other Christian. You need to be like Jesus. In order to do that, you've got to behold something. The Bible says, look it. It says, look at this, look at this verse. It's, it's a powerful word, look it. Uh, if any man be a hearer of the word and, uh, and not a doer, is like a man beholding uh, his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what matter a man. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty. See, that word looketh is much deeper than behold. Behold means glance. It means just take a little glimpse at it. That's why a lot of people treat God's Word. And they're religious and lost a lot of times. Is they just come to church, and that's it. They do their religious duty. God help you if you had to be here this morning. Now, if you didn't want to be here and you're still here, I think that's right. That's discipline. Amen? I mean, listen, uh, wouldn't it be something uh, uh, this afternoon, uh, Billy just calls in and says, Hey, I just don't feel like coming back. I got a girlfriend. I got a good church. I like Georgia. Just a hostile La Vista, baby. No, he'd be in trouble. Amen? He's, he's signed up. 
Amen? And I want to tell you something, friend. There ought to be some discipline because we're good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But folks, discipline does not save you. You can be squeaky clean and not even drink tea, Mormon, and be lost. Say amen. I'm glad God hadn't taken tea away from me. I'll tell you that right now. I don't drink that ugly stuff called coffee. But I'm telling you what, I drink the tea, amen? And I've got to give up some of that, amen? Especially that sweet tea, amen? God help a southern boy can't drink sweet tea. That's got to be a sin. But look, you look. The Bible means gaze into. It's the same word back in John chapter 20, verse 5. You want to look with me in John chapter 20 and verse 5. That same word in the Greek is is found there. When uh, they came to the tomb, and they didn't just glance in there. Folks, they wanted to look very carefully. And the Bible says, and he's stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes uh, lying, yet when he not in. And so then cometh Simon Peter. So we see that, folks, John got there first. And folks, I want to tell you something. He looked. That means he beheld. He gazed. He studied to see. And he saw the napkin folded. That was a Jewish symbol that I'm coming back. Say amen. Don't touch my meal. I'm coming back. He saw the linen, linens that were wrapped around him folded, not ripped apart. Amen. And he saw two angels, one at one end, at the other end of, the, of where he'd laid. And that's a picture of the holies of holies and the seraphims. And folks, it was a holy tomb. But folks, you just wouldn't go around and say, well, I don't think he was there. And folks, we read our Bibles carelessly. We sometimes read our Bible with amnesia. We forget what we read, and we forget what we hear. There's no conviction, thus there's no conversion. Folks, we need to realize, as as Peter said in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, I'm a sinner. Folks, we need to realize that we're born of sin and of much trouble. The Bible says in Job chapter 42, verse 6, we must realize we're sinners. We must realize we fall short. And folks, in order to be saved, you must get lost. Say amen. And other, a lot of people are not lost. They were born good enough because their mama baptized them, christened them, which we don't baptize babies. Matter of fact, that's where we get our name, Anabaptist. That means we do not baptize babies. Anabaptist, where it came from. We dropped the Anna, and now we're Baptist. And we believe in baptism after conversion. Death, burial, and resurrection picture. It's an act of obedience. You'll never be in God's will until you're baptized after you're saved. But folks, listen, we fail to obey God's Word. That is superficial religion. Just hearing it, but not doing it. Looking, but not really looking. And letting God look into your soul. You know, when I go to a doctor, and I went to one, a specialist, everybody built up as the best foot specialist in North Georgia. I won't tell you his name, and I can't pronounce it anyway. Isn't it amazing you go to a doctor, and you can't even pronounce his name, and he can hardly speak your language, and you trust him? Amen? Come on now, say amen. Come on, you know. I mean, you know, he just got, he just got in from India. He's got a spot on his forehead. No, amen. You wonder if you ought to not uh, run a motel, and he's sitting there telling you all the things that you ought to do for your feet. Amen? But I, I went to the doctor all excited about this specialist that was going to straighten my problem out because I was really concerned about me not being able to preach over 30 minutes because of my feet. Then I looked at the podcast, brother, and I ain't preached a 30-minute message in two months. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm better than I thought I was, amen? And y'all not praying for healing. I guarantee you, none of you is praying that my feet will heal. 
Y'all, none of you. I, I've asked you a hundred times. No, I think you're good just like you are. Praise God. You preach an hour if, I, if we have healing. Praise the Lord. I know. So praise God. I'll just have bad feet the rest of my life. Thanks to y'all. But I went to the doctor. He rushed in. He told me what was wrong. He, he, he pronounced it. Metatarsus something. I, don't. I said, what did you say? He said, I don't know. And then I said, did you, did, I said, did you hear that? Then all of a sudden he says, my assistant will be in just a minute. He flew out the door. Here comes the assistant. She said a few more things. Uh, sold me some expensive inserts and said, we'll see you. Uh, we, don't, we don't have to see you. You'll be healed. I thought, glory to God, that was a waste of a lot of money and a lot of time. And I want to tell you something, friend. That's not how you come to the great physician. The great physician will be thorough with you. He'll talk to you. And then I like this about a doctor. He'll listen to you. Don't you love to just tell you all your problems? And by the way, doc, I got this problem and this problem and this problem. And you know, he's, not a, he's a foot specialist. I'm telling him about my shoulder. But now, listen, uh, folks, listen. You've got to understand that God wants to be thorough with you. And if you just glance at the Bible, and if you just come on Sunday morning, and the only time you read your Bible, you dust it off of the shelf and say, Preacher, bless me if, if you can. I'm coming to church now. Hadn't read my Bible all week. Hadn't prepared my heart. Hadn't prayed. Hadn't sung a song outside this building. I hadn't worshipped God. I hadn't been in the prayer closet. But bless me if you can. I can't. I can't. I can't. I, I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit might can, but He'll have a hard time getting your attention too. You need to prepare your heart. You need to realize that God is about to speak. And this is God's Word. Some people don't even bring their Bible. With God. You ought to check me out, praise God. You ought to realize this is a preaching, but you ought to make sure it's thus saith the Word. Amen. That's why I can trust it. I'm not going to give you a bunch of illustrations, a bunch of jokes. Folks, a good doctor spends time with you and then he tells you the truth. Don't you love a doctor just tell you the truth? I mean, it hurts. He said, and some of the, some of the diagnosis that some of y'all got recently, it's been, it's been um, scary. You know, the, the, even the word is scary. But I want to tell you something, friend. You better thank God for a doctor that will properly diagnose your case. And folks, I want to tell you something. The reason we glance in the Word of God sometimes is we don't want to see. We don't want to see what's wrong with us. You know, a lot of people, they don't come to church because of sin in their life. And the reason they don't come to church because they're sin in their life, they don't want to do anything about it because they're not sick of it. Until you get sick about your sin, you won't do much about it. That's called conviction. But let me tell you something, friend. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, but also conviction comes through the hearing the Word of God. I want some preacher to tell me and preach to me to my, not only my toes hurt, but my heart hurts, that I can get some help. Amen? And that's what I love about this church. It's preaching straight, Sunday school, church, Wednesday night, Sunday night. That's the way it was established, and that's the way it's going to stay. Folks, it's the Word of God that will help you see. It's the mirror. And not only to see yourself, we must remember to do what we see. Folks, if you look in a mirror and the two hairs you have is over your eyes, I advise you to comb it. We that are bald, we just use mop and glow and go on. Praise God. But I want to tell you something, friend. A lot of people look in the mirror and say, yeah, that's probably for somebody else, but I ain't going to correct it. I'm not going to do it. 
And you know, some people, you can't tell them a thing, they'll argue with you. I've had people argue with me in the pews. I've, heard, I've had people, body language. All of you that's got your arms folded like that, please unfold them, because this is body language. Okay, I saw five people with their arms like that. You're not going to tell me what to do. You're not going to tell me how to live. Her lady one time tell two of our young ladies, says, no preacher going to tell me how to live. That's pathetic. You ought to let the Word of God tell you how to live. So, amen? And so, listen, it's a blessing. The last phrase of verse 25 says that you shall be blessed in your deed. You'll be blessed in your life. Folks, the, the emphasis of James is grow up. The emphasis of James is mature. The emphasis of James is uh, be a, not only a hearer of the Word, verse 22, but be a doer of the Word, not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. Folks, if you never listen and gaze into the Word of God and see Jesus, you'll never have a standard worth a flip. Pardon the bad English. Your standard will be the biggest hypocrite you can find and say, I'm better than him. Well, congratulations, you're better than a hypocrite. <laughs> and if you hide behind a hypocrite, you're smaller than they are. Say amen. Well, our standard ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ, and our standard ought to be the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. These man-made religions that have these standards are not of God. Why is that parking lot up there at the JW Kingdom Hall packed every... Because they're trying to work their way to heaven. You would too, if you was taught that jargon. Folks, we don't work our way to heaven. Matter of fact, I've been tempted sometimes to tell you that. Maybe get more faithful. But folks, that's not how you do it. You work because you love. And you have a relationship. And you want to serve your Father that's done everything for you. Say amen, children. Isn't it wonderful, parents, when you ask your kids to take out the trash and they almost jump up and down saying, Oh, I'm so glad you asked me. I've been wanting to do that all day. And Daddy, I love you so much, and you're, you're old and tired, and you've worked all day in the sun. I'm going to do that for you because I love you. You know, after you got up off the floor after a heart attack, praise God, you would say, hey, I think my kids love me. They're serving me. <laughs> now what you say, hey, I got your allowance here, and it's just being withdrawn. If you don't take that crummy trash out, it'd probably overflow the floor before you did it, and you better take it right down. And then they lovingly and willingly take the trash out. Now, folks, that's the way a lot of people serve God. Pardon the bad analogy. Folks, we need to realize that reading the Word's not enough. Look at verse 25. We must continue therein. Folks, in other words, it ought to take root. It ought to abide. It ought to revolutionize our life. It ought to change our life. Or you've got a vain religion, and vain means empty. And so, folks, first of all, if you're going to have a pure religion, you need to be obedient, and you need to let God examine you. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to go to the doctor. He might find something wrong with me. You better thank God that somebody gives you an examination once in a while. Early detection. Amen? That's what we've all been preached to. Well, I'm going to tell you something, friend. We need some early detection spiritually. We need to come to Dr. Jesus and say, Lord, be thorough with me. God, if there's any iniquity, any thoughts, any wickedness, any vainglory, would you show me? And then, Holy Spirit, would you help me purge that sin? And may I be like, more like you? 
And folks, I want to tell you something. What's so exciting about looking into the perfect law of liberty, it sets you free from the law. It sets you free from selfishness. It sets you free from self-sufficiency. A lot of people are so selfish. They think they're spiritual because they do this and do that, and they don't do this and they don't do that. Folks, I want to tell you something. I believe in standards. I believe in convictions. A lot of people say I don't because I'm more liberal than they are, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. I believe in biblical standards. I believe you ought to have Bible for everything. And I believe you ought to have a spiritual reason when you say you shouldn't dress this way or you shouldn't talk this way or you shouldn't go to this uh, situation or this activity or this entertainment. There's a spiritual reason. And folks, the Word of God will point that out. So folks, there needs to be obedience and continuation. The early church continued in prayer in the upper room. Then Pentecost came. Folks, and then after Pentecost, we see in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, the Bible says this. Look, at I want to show you this verse. What happened after Pentecost, after the power of God fell, and after there was a great revival and 3,000 people were saved. Acts 2.42, the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's teaching. And fellowship. And breaking of bread. And in prayers. Folks, listen to that word. Continue. Continue. Look at verse 46. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and eating their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily as such, such should be saved. Folks, listen, the church experienced revival because they looked into the Word of God. And Peter preached a message that made the Jews so mad that they wanted to kill him. And folks, Acts chapter 2, uh, Acts chapter 7, Deacon Stephen preached such a message that they gnawed on him. Now listen, it's one thing not to like my message, but don't come up here and start biting on me, amen? And they started gnawing on him. They, they, They stoned him and they killed him. And Paul was there holding his cloak and he saw not the look of hate, but he saw the look of heaven on Stephen's face and he got born again. He got saved. And how many people have got saved because of Stephen's testimony? See, Stephen walked the wall. He preached it, but he lived it. And he died for his faith. I was listening to part two of the Rock of Ages tape on the uh, Bible of the martyrs. And oh, how many times he gave illustration. One lady was, was in jail and she saw her husband go by the jail cell up to a hill because he believed in the Tyndale Bible, which is the root of our, of, of, of our King James Bible. And he, and he saw her husband go up the hill. And then about a few minutes later, saw that same wagon come back down that hill and the, her husband had no head. They just chopped his head off. And then the knock on her cell door. True history now. And she went to that same hill, crying and weeping for her husband. Overcome with grief for her husband. And they chopped her head off. Now folks, I want to say this. It's a shame we don't read what people have died for. And it's a shame we don't defend and we don't cherish this blessed King James Bible that people gave their lives for. Amen? We just sort of glance at it. Yeah, that's good. Praise God. I got my three verses down. That's it. I'm not going to live it the rest of the day. Folks, we ought to meditate on it. That means digest it and graft it. We ought to sing it. We ought to shout it. We ought to praise God. We ought to, this ought to be the book of our life. 
Say amen. I like Brother Larry Styles. He's got a very big conviction. Uh, if anybody puts anything on top of the Bible, he'll come and just move it. I had my iPad the other day on top of my Bible like that. And he said, poof. I said, what's that deacon doing? God bless him. He didn't believe anything ought to be on top of the Bible. I said, pray God. And I want to say this. I don't think anything ought to be more important in this book. Come on, say amen. TV shows, hobbies, uh, yourself. I don't think you ought to stay home looking in the mirror and skip Sunday school so you can get all the boys to look at you. I mean, just come on to the church ugly. Praise God. No. I mean, listen. That didn't come out right. I'm just saying, listen. Look into the perfect law of liberty and praise God. Let it change your life. That is pure religion. That is supernatural religion. That is not uh, superficial. Surface. God delivers from the surface. Some people are so preoccupied with problems and prejudice and, and things, they're not even hearing this message. That's right. You already came to leave. You're already preoccupied. You've been offended yesterday, so you're not listening. And I want to tell you something, friend. The Word of God will examine you. Then second of all, and I'll close with this one, and you said, thank the Lord, praise God, and I'll believe it. We need to see that the Word of God restores you. It restores you. In Exodus chapter 38, it's a very interesting piece of furniture that points to the Word of God. Exodus chapter 38, look at it. In verse 8, it's a very unusual object made from ladies' mirrors. How about that? In those days, they didn't have glass. They had kind of shiny steel. So everybody looked good. <laughs> Amen. I just, they caught me funny. Look at, uh, look at verse 8. And he made the laver of brass, and the foot of it of brass, and the looking glasses of the women assembling, which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now what in the world is the laver of brass? Folks, it's a picture of the Word of God. It was halfway between the brazen altar of sacrifice, and the holy place. The holy place was where the, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and where the priests went in once a year. And praise God, it's a beautiful picture of Calvary. Because once a year, he'd take off the scintillating and beautiful, gorgeous, jewel-clad robe of the priest. And he'd put on an old linen white ephod, just an old sheet. Put that on and go into the holies of holies. Confess his sin. They put a rope around the bottom of his, uh, 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 around his ankle and there were some bells around that robe just in case he hadn't committed his, uh, uh, confessed his sin because he'd dropped dead in the presence of God. And they'd pull him out and say, give me another high priest. But folks, that's a beautiful picture of one day Jesus Christ gave up the scintillating, beautiful, glorious heaven and came down here and took upon him the ephod or the, the robe of flesh. And he took your sins. And he is the lamb, praise God. He is the only lamb. He's the lamb of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's not just a little trip he took to, to, to ordain some religion. Or open up some house. Or bless some cathedral. He gave his life on that lonely hill called Calvary. And folks, the reason he did is because only the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. But how do we know about the blood of Jesus? It's through the, it's through the laver 
It's through the, it's through the looking glasses that are assembled together in this brass, this, this beautiful laver, this ba- basin. It's a huge basin that stood between the brazen altar and the holy place. And the basin was filled with water. Another symbol of the Word of God. And the priests would wash their hands and their feet in that laver before they'd enter into the holy place. And if they didn't, they were dead. And folks, I want to tell you something. That is a picture of the Word of God. The Bible says the church is cleansed through the Word of God. Ephesians 5, 26. The Bible says we're cleansed in John chapter 15, 3, by the Word of God. That we abide in Him by the Word of God. We obey Him because we know what to obey. Amen? And folks, we love Him because we see Him in the Word of God. Folks, listen, you don't trust visions. Can somebody say amen? You might get the wrong one. One day a lady called me and said, I had a vision. I said, oh no. She said, yeah, I want you to interpret it. I said, okay, give it to me. She said, well, there was a long, hairy animal, green. I mean, she's serious as a heart attack. Had teeth, blood on the teeth, glowing, fiery eyes. What do you think it is, Brother Wayne? And I, I thought of a second. I said, I won't tell you what it is. But I don't know what it is. But if you see it, run. <laughs> she didn't think it was funny. She wanted a real interpretation. Amen? I was in one of those moods. I said, just run. But folks, I want to tell you something. She probably went to Mac, she probably went to Burger King too late that night. And I'll tell you what, don't trust visions. Don't trust revelations. This is the final revelation. This is all the vision of Jesus you need. Friend, you don't look for signs and symbols. You might not get the right sign or symbol. Say amen. You look to Jesus and you see in His Word yourself, but you see Him. And folks, when you see Him, there's only one alternative. You say, Lord, help me to be more like you. You look into that water and you see Him. You, you taste that water and you taste Him. Friend, I want to tell you something. You become the living water like a geyser. You just overflow to a lost and dying world and people see Jesus. That's the theme of our church, church uh, year. And folks, I want to tell you something. When a sinner trusts Christ, he's once and for all washed and cleansed by the Lamb's blood. Say amen. Once for all, Hebrews chapter 9. I was talking to a young man yesterday and talked to his mother. I said, hey, listen, I want to tell you something. He's been down before. Tell him it is eternal gift. Tell him he's saved forever. Tell him if he really trusts the Lord, he don't have to do it every vacation Bible school. Teach him it's a gift of God. Ma, I put it on her. Praise God. I ain't, I ain't his mama. And she said, I will, I will. That, thank you, preacher. That's, that'll help me. I'll try to, I'll try to explain to her. Then I asked her, I said, Mom, do you know Jesus is your personal Savior? Had a good visit. She ran out to the car, Wesley, and talked to us. Amen? Praise God. She said, I was busy. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was y'all. She, she, she heard it was Wesley, and she ran to the car and wanted to find out who it was. It was great. It was a blessing. People want to know the truth. And what are you going to do? Give them your opinion? Oh, I had a vision last night. Ma'am, this is how your son gets saved. This is how he stays saved. No, we take the blessed Word of God as the mirror, but also as the laver. Folks, he, it, it cleanses the priest. It'll cleanse you as a, high, uh, as a royal priesthood. And folks, it gives the promise of cleansing. Look at 1 John 1.9 and I'll close. 1 John 1.9. You say, you close a lot. I do, because I'm warning myself. It's time to close. 
But look at this, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many believe that verse? But folks, confess don't mean sin and confess, sin and confess, Mary, as I go. Well, Lord, I cussed and got mad and I'm going to do it again. Well, Lord, I'm sorry I got drunk last night. I'll have to wait till next Saturday, but forgive me so I can go to church and get something out of Brother Wayne's message. That ain't confession. I won't tell you what confession is. Confession means call it what God calls it. Name it what God names it. And judge it like God judged it because that sin took Him to the cross. Say amen. That's confession. And folks, when you have that kind of confession, guess what you have? You have restoration because He forgives you. Amen? And see, the first step is you've got to realize this in verse 8. 1 John 1, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. We all sin. But folks, the problem is a lot of people like their sin, they enjoy their sin, and they don't want to come to an old-fashioned church like this and have somebody preach against sin. We need it. Just like when we go to a doctor, we need the right diagnosis. And we need somebody to spend some time with us and listen to where we hurt. Because we don't know what's wrong. We just know it hurts. Say amen. Come on. All of you right now are aching. But folks, listen. Listen. We need to meditate on the Word of God. We need to be cleansed by the Word of God. And folks, we need to not be spiritually defiled and spoiled and spotted by the world and lose our testimony. Folks, we need to realize that we need to receive the Word of God with readiness of mind. I thank God for you. You're so easy to preach to. You're so attentive. Man, you're so fun. These youth sitting up front, they listen. They're not playing hang the man. They're not texting their boyfriend. They're not playing harmony.com trying to find a husband. I hope you're not. They're up here listening. Amen? Somebody trying to find a husband in church. Just look around. There's some. Well, wait till you're 30. But anyway... 1 Samuel chapter 12, I'll close with this illustration. When Nathan confronted David for the sin of adultery and murder, did, did he say, well, I had a vision. No, I'll tell you what he said. He said, thus saith the Lord, thou art the man. And folks, I want to tell you something. He put the mirror right up there. He first gave the illustration and said, hey, listen, there's one man that had a ewe lamb, a, a little pet lamb. He just had one wife. His name's Uriah. He's your best general. But this, he didn't go give names. He just gave this story. And he said, but there was another man who had many sheep. That's David. He had all these wives, all that kingdom, and all that palace. He said, the one who had the many sheep stole the one ewe lamb. What would you do to that man? And he said, I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd kill him, and he'd restore fourfold. And he said, thou art the man. But then in 2 Samuel chapter 12, about verse 9, he said, I'll tell you why you are the man. You despise the commandments of the Lord. Amen? You know what that means? You count it as an ordinary book, an ordinary service, an ordinary meeting. Some people have more faithfulness to the masons than they do the house of God. God help you. Folks, this ought to be the place you're most faithful to. Because this is the Word of God. And then he said, hey, listen, you despise not only the commandments, but the Bible says, thus say the Lord, 
you have despised me, thus saith God. David said, uh-oh. I'm in trouble. It's me, Lord. I didn't get away with it. I married her, and everybody thought I was a benevolent king. Everybody thought I was a hero marrying my general's wife, Bathsheba. Friend, I want to tell you something What's so wonderful. Look to 2 Samuel chapter 12. I wasn't going to go there, but i got to show it to you because I'm not sure of the wording and I don't want to misquote it. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Look at it real quick. I want to show you something else uh, he did. It's so wonderful. He gave him assurance after he confessed and repented of cleansing. That's so wonderful. Look at it. 2 Samuel chapter 12. It's what I love about the Word of God. It's so thorough. He said, look, look, he said, thou art the man. And then he said in verse 9, you despise the commandments, right? You with me, class? 2 Samuel chapter 12. Then in verse uh, 10, he said, uh, he said, because thou hast despised me, thus saith the Lord. So he took God for granted. He took God's word for granted. That's religion. That's religion. Just give me a few do's and don'ts, hail Mary's and penances, and I'll be my, on my way. That's religion. It won't help you. It'll deceive you. And it can damn you because what you'll say is, I'm saved because I'm religious. No, you're religious because you're saved. Amen? But I want you to look on down verse 13. And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, Lord also has put away thy sin, and thou shalt not die. Now he lost four children. Fourfold, remember he pronounced fourfold, he lost four children. One child killed the other child at a sheep shearing party. Got him drunk. I wonder where he got that idea. Because the one son raped his half-sister Tamar. I wonder where he got that idea. See, what you sow, you'll reap fourfold sometimes. And that, that was judgment. But I want to tell you something. God did not take His salvation away from him, and God did not send him to hell because the Bible says, The Lord also has put away thy sin, and thou shalt not die. You know what I love about this blessed book? And I love about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is my Father forgives me. And I've got the word on it. He said, if I'll confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. There's no unpardonable sin when your heart is broken and you're repentant and you confess it and name it like God names it, judge it like God judges it, and call it what God called it. But you'll never do that glancing at this book. Hit and miss. That's why I urge you, come back tonight. I know a lot of you have church friends that don't have church on Sunday night, and that probably is a temptation to go to that church and say, I only got to go once a week. Well, I'm going to tell you, friend, you don't have to go once a week. You get to go three times a week. And then when revival comes, you get to go to that. And when vacation Bible school, you get to work in that. And when you get to go visitation, you get to go soul winning. You get to tell people about Jesus. Folks, wonder if I said, well, you know, listen, uh, honey, I know we're married, but uh, can we just spend um, three times a, a week together? I'm going to tell you something. Every chance I get, I spend time with Connie. 
We have a ritual. I'm gone a lot. I'm, I'm up late. I have hospital calls and stuff. But I want to tell you something. If I possibly can, I have lunch with my wife every day. Every day. Unless you call me and you say you want to buy, we're having lunch. I'm having lunch with my wife. <laughs> then she's buying. No, not really. Folks, we, we, we have a relationship. It's not a religion of marriage. Well, I got married, so I'm going to have a religion of marriage. No, I have a relationship. I have Connie. And guess what? She has Wayne. <laughs> I ain't much to look at, but she thinks I'm something. And I think she's the most beautiful person in this room. Matter of fact, she's not in this room. She's skipping today. No, she's, she's helping a little church back there. Folks, we have a relationship. It's not a religion. I feel sorry for anybody that's basing their salvation on religion. It's, it's pure religion. I'll preach on that tonight. It's liberating religion. It's not superficial. It is supernatural. Right. Folks, if you're saved, you have a relationship. If you're saved and have a relationship, you've got to have pure religion. That's undefiled and brings glory to God. It puts a little faithfulness in your life. I love the Lord, don't you? I sure appreciate Him saving me. I was a son of a drunk. Had nothing to offer God. And He came looking for me at 11 and a half years of age. And on March 15, 1964, Brother Darrell, I came down a while in Decatur, Georgia, I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And not anywhere on that night did they say, now you've got to keep the law to be saved. I came because of the grace of God. And guess what? Several years later, my daddy walked the same aisle. And I got to lead him to the Lord at the same altar. Because we loved him to death. And we loved him when he hurt us. And he cussed us. When he lost the check, when he burnt the house. We just loved him. After we got right with God, we loved him. And folks, I want to tell you something. He did not get religious and just live seven years because on his deathbed, he had the nurses read the 23rd Psalm to him. And he had them all line up and sing Amazing Grace. And that's sure better than dying in a drunken stupor on the side of the road drinking another influence or driving another influence like he usually did. I know he had a relationship. You know what he said to me on his deathbed one week before? He said, Wayne, the only regret I have, I said, what's that, Daddy? He said, I only lived seven years. Tell all the young people, get saved when they're young because I only lived seven years. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So folks, there's a living relationship when you get saved. And He makes a living difference in your life. And that's pure religion. We'll preach on this tonight. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank You, dear God, for such a good congregation of people that's listening. God, not only do You examine us, but You restore us. And tonight, Lord, You transform us by Your Word. Thank You for the power of the Word. 
to make us more like Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for not only the mirror of our soul, but God, a mirror of your image. that We can see you high and lifted up. And God, it's so convicting. And it's so wonderful to know that you're still on the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession for us. Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving my daddy. Thank you, dear God, for saving mama that led him to the Lord through her love and her patience and her long suffering. Thank you, Lord. Heaven's sweet tonight because we got a lot of loved ones up there. But God, I'm not basing it on the Baptist church to get me there. I'm not basing it on the baptism and I'm not basing it on religion. God, I'm basing it on I have you and you have me. And we have a relationship. And I'm your son because you gave me power to become your son through your blood and your spirit and your word that begot me into the family of God.